Welcome to this episode of the Connecting Faith to Life podcast. I'm Trey Rhodes, a Connections Pastor at Northwood Baptist Church here in North Charleston, South Carolina. In just a few moments, our lead pastor, Dr. Tommy Metter, will be joining the conversation as well. In our crazy and chaotic world, our hope is that these few minutes will help you stop and reflect on your relationship with Jesus as you learn to connect Christ-centered faith to your everyday life. And we keep plugging away. We're on episode 106 of the Connecting Faith to Life podcast. I was just looking. I just got and ran down the list of all the things we've covered in the last two years. It's really amazing. It's been a lot. It, and I just kept going. I run my finger, run my finger, run my finger. I was on my phone. <laughs> and I mean, just kept going. I said, wow, that's pretty amazing. 50 mm. something hours of, of talking. So that's uh, a lot. That's a uh, lot. That's so. a lot. Of, that's a lot of listening to you, Trent. <laughs> And me too. <laughs> yeah, but yeah. Okay, we'll take it. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah. Anyway, so if you get the opportunity, please uh, share our podcast on Facebook, Twitter, text, however you get people to uh, listen to uh, and um, uh, any of our um, events and things that we do here at uh, Connecting Faith to Life. Um, anyway, so I got tongue tied there. You got, Sorry cat about got that. your tongue yeah, there? Yeah, something's going on. You know on why there. the cat has your tongue? <laughs> Tell me because why. you're thinking, you're thinking about what you're doing next week. I knew you were going to say vacation. That. Yeah, I haven't been out. You said a few weeks ago, and it really got me feeling guilty. You said you don't go on vacation much, do you? I go on visitation. Yeah, <laughs> you go, you go on <laughs> staycations or whatever. Uh, there, that's know. not a staycation, my uh, friend. I you you it travel. is a visitation travel travelcation. It's it's a something. it is a yeah. But you used the term. You said it's a. I said anyway. it's a visitation. It's not vacation. Oh, a visitation. It's not a vacation. It's a visitation. Okay. We do that in a couple weeks. We are doing our visitation. We were, we were there in, I guess it was March or April. I don't remember. We were just there. It feels like, which is fine. We need to go back because we don't see Stacey's parents near enough. Uh, but yeah, going visitation. You're going to be going on a vacation. I'm going on a visitation. Tell us where you're going on vacation. This makes no sense to me. Tell us where you're going on vacation. We're going to go three days to Orlando. Then the middle day, we're going to go to Animal Kingdom, but we're going to try to get there early enough to do some pool time on Monday and pool time on Wednesday before we leave. So we'll see. We'll see how it goes. You're going to Disney World yeah. to go to Animal Kingdom. Yeah. And on two of those days, but you're going to sit to every, by the pool. I've been to everything else. Okay. So this okay. is the only one I haven't I, been I've to. I've never been to Disney World. Well, I, I, I just don't understand why you can't go to Columbia. <laughs> and go to the zoo. And go to the zoo. Yeah. The riverbanks. It's just uh, oppressive heat. <laughs> oh, the, it, and, he's oppressive. And the good thing yeah. is that Orlando is not. Orlando is just cool as a cucumber. Bro. <laughs> I'm kidding. <laughs> I've been there. I've got to say. I've been there. I've been there for everything. So uh, anyway, yeah. Well, that'll be fun. So we're going to do it anyway and uh, do pool time. And then we're going to come back and go to the beach a couple of, t- couple of days when we get back. So anyway, there you go. Mm. Well, well, we're going fun. Yeah, we're going to be talking about something that uh, people don't hear a lot of these days. And it's this word called covenant. And I think when we hear the word covenant, we often think of things like contracts and treaties and, you know, things that are man-made. So mm. covenants are, although can be man-made as well, uh, it really determines the way that God deals with his people That's over right. and over and over That's again in right. scripture. So I'm excited about this opportunity because it's something that I don't know that I've heard many uh, lessons or even yeah, radio shows yeah. or anything about. Yeah. So. And we need to talk through this and, and this is not going to be exhaustive. When we start talking about covenants in the scripture and there, there have been Bible scholars who've written books like big, thick, 
thick books about mm. this particular issue. Mm-hmm. Uh, in fact, there was one I started reading about a year ago and it was just so thick I gave up. <laughs> like, give me the cliff thick. notes, man. Give me the cliff notes. Yeah. But, but this is a fascinating subject because, because if you think about this idea of covenant, and, and you might know this, you might not know this if you're listening, uh, covenants really form the backbone of the redemptive story. If you think about, about this idea of covenant and all these covenants that God enters into mm-hmm. with his people in the Old Testament, uh, that, that really moves along the story of redemption. So some backbone, or maybe even think about it as a skeleton, yeah, right? That, yeah, that, yeah. that everything kind of kind of uh, hangs on, on these covenants mm-hmm. of the Old Testament that are ultimately fulfilled in the new covenant of Jesus Christ. Mm-hmm. It's a fascinating study. And, 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 and so I, I just wanted us to take some time because we've been in Genesis now for what feels like 17 years, but we've been studying Genesis for a while now. And, and we've, we've talked about covenant and a couple weeks ago, we looked at Genesis chapter 17 mm-hmm. and we got more in, in depth with this idea of covenant, but I wanted to walk through it again and just help you to think through what a covenant is and why it's so important and, and how it is uh, just a p- huge part of the redemptive story. Covenant is uh, certainly a promise, but it's it's also more than a promise. Yeah, yeah. So let's just kind of define covenant and think yeah. through covenant just real quick. So, so we we talked about this in the message several weeks ago. That in our context, we're f- we're very familiar with the idea of contract. Mm-hmm. Every one of us have some type of contract with something. Yeah. If you Houses. have a house note, you yeah. have a contract. And and if you think about a contract, the way I like to think about a contract is it's it's just business. Mm-hmm. That that if I don't pay my mortgage note. Uh, the bank is going to foreclose on my house. That is a guarantee that will happen. And it's nothing personal. Yeah. It's not because they hate no, you or it's, it's just, I didn't else. pay, I didn't pay the bill. Yeah. And so I get my house taken away. Mm-hmm. A covenant on the other hand is there, there are, there are agreements in a covenant that may be similar to a contract, mm. but the covenant is relational. Mm. And I mean, the best example we have in our context is the marriage covenant. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, that, that, you know, when you married your spouse, you, you, you agree to some things you agree to love for better, for worse, for sickness and health mm-hmm. and to death, you depart. That's, that's, those are the things you agreed in inside that covenant. And, and, and it's not contractual. It's not business. It is, it is highly personal. Oh yeah. And so if you think about covenant in those terms, that's what you see in scripture, that there's these agreements that God makes with people, uh, where there are stipulations, there are oath, uh, there, there, there are, are things that, that need to be done inside of this covenant relationship, but it is a relationship. Uh, you're familiar with this book, Trey, cause I recommended it to you some time ago that the, the book called Epic of Eden. Oh, I love that by book. Sandra Richter. It's I a great it. book. If, if you're wanting I'm to read something, it now, so. yeah, I've read through it a couple of times. In fact, I go back to it every now and then just to read a chapter or two, to remind myself of mm-hmm. the th- some things that she talked about. Uh, she's a, a wonderful, uh, old Testament scholar and Sandra Richter does a good job of explaining covenant in, in an ancient context. And so if you want to read, it's an easy read. It's only a couple hundred it pages. Is. It mean, surprised yeah, me how yeah, easy. Yeah, it's yeah. Not, it doesn't read like an academic book. Mm-hmm. It's just like pick it up. Oh, this is really interesting. Uh, so that would be an easy read, and it's called The Epic of Eden. So in her book, when she talks about covenant, she talks about um, this idea of a, a, a suzerain and a vassal, that what would been, had yeah, been common in that. an ancient mm-hmm. culture is, is, you know, this land of Canaan was a, a, a highly a contested land. Mm, of course. Uh, because it was a major pathway to get from, uh, from Mesopotamia down to Egypt. And so, you know, they're always warring over this piece of land Mm -hmm. uh, because whoever controls land, really in that part of the world, if you control the land of Canaan, you control the world Mm -hmm. uh, because uh, of the the, the travel route between uh, those two empires. And so there's always these wars. And, and, And in the Old Testament land, in the ancient times, you know, before 
the Hebrew people come in and they take the land and the nation of Israel is developed. There's all these small tribal kingdoms that are there. And so in an attempt to, to gain the land, you would have these larger kingdoms that would come and offer protection to these smaller kingdoms. And in exchange, these smaller kingdoms will pay a tribute. But what was interesting in these relationships that if a vassal made a commitment mm-hmm. to, to receive protection from a suzerain, from a, a larger nation, if he made that commitment, then that vassal was also committing that he was going to be loyal to that king alone. Mm. There, there was this loyalty issue. Like if you were a vassal, you couldn't make uh, a covenant agreement with five or six different bigger <laughs> yeah. kingdoms. You made one covenant agreement. Now that larger kingdom could make many covenant relationships. Mm-hmm. But if you were the smaller kingdom, if you wanted that relationship with that larger kingdom to survive, you didn't make a covenant with another kingdom. You proclaimed your loyalty to that one king. Really fascinating. And you see some examples of that in the scripture. Maybe the most familiar example of that is what happens in the book of Joshua when the Gibeonites uh, deceive yeah. the Israelites. Remember that story? Yeah, I do. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's, that's, a, that's in Joshua chapter 9. It's a fascinating story. But you read how um, the Gibeonites deceived Joshua's people into making a covenant with them, mm-hmm. uh, wanting their protection. Now, it's a fascinating story. We're not getting all the details. But what you find is that when you get to the next chapter, when the Gibeonites are in trouble, who fights for them? The, the Israelites. Israelites. Yep. Why? Because of a covenant agreement. Mm-hmm. And so this was very common in the ancient world. And what Sandra Richter says is, you know, you, you can think about the covenant God makes with his people. It's relational, but, but that's the sense that, that in this covenant relationship we have with God, um, you know, we are in a sense the vassal, mm-hmm. uh, that, that we have proclaimed our loyalty to him. We've given our loyalty to him and exchanged that loyalty. Well, maybe exchange for the loyalty is a, a bad way of putting it, but, but, but what we receive as we declare our loyalty, maybe that's a better way of putting it, as we declare our loyalty to God, what we receive is his protection. Mm. But more than that, we receive uh, his hesed. Remember that Old Testament word? Yes. You see it in the book of Ruth, the, the kindness of God, Loving his grace kindness. and mercy and, and, and all the benefits that, that come with being a part of God's kingdom. And so, so you have in the Old Testament, again, this just this idea of covenant. And, and you think about it, uh, and we're not so familiar with covenant in, uh, in our day and age. That's not something that you're going to have a conversation about at work, for example. Mm-hmm. It's just not a part of our vernacular. Right. In church, you hear about covenants, mm-hmm. and you might hear about it some in secular society, uh, but primarily you hear about covenants in the context of religion, in church, in, in faith, right? Um, uh, but, but in the ancient times, they were very familiar with covenants. And so when, when God makes a covenant with people in the Old Testament, it was really, if you think about it, in terms that they could understand. Mm-hmm. They understood what a covenant was and how it worked, and, and, and they understood what you know, terms of a covenant meant. And so what would happen, and we've already seen this in the book of the Genesis as we've walked through, in these covenants, you would have a couple of things. You'd have stipulations, mm-hmm. what's expected from each party of the covenant, um, uh, the, 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 the one making the covenant and the one agreeing to the covenant. And you would also have uh, oftentimes a ceremony or a sign or something that accompanies that covenant. So it's real fascinating. And when we walk through the Old Testament, uh, Bible scholars are kind of divided on how many covenants there actually are in the Old Testament. Right. Um, uh, but we, we, we're going to talk about five or six covenants today on the podcast that we can say, yep, these were covenants that God definitely made with people in the Old Testament. We're going to see how they connect to the covenant of Jesus Christ. 
All right. Well, let's jump right in with both feet. Uh, we're going to first talk about this covenant between Adam and Eve. Okay. So here's what's interesting. When you read Genesis 1 through 3, mm-hmm. you don't see the word covenant used. No. We've talked about this on Sunday morning. You don't actually see the word covenant used until when, Trey? Do you remember? I want to say Noah. That's right. When we get to yeah. Noah's story, that's the first time we see the Hebrew word for covenant used. Mm-hmm. But while we don't see the word covenant used in Genesis 1 through 3, it seems like a covenant. God, okay. Yeah, God comes in other to words, Adam if it, and Eve. If it quacks like a duck, walks like a duck, it's probably a duck. Yeah. You know, sort of thing. So this does everything that a covenant does. Seems to. Yes. So you have Adam and Eve in the garden, and, and, and there's a stipulation, right? God walks with them. He's sharing intimacy with them. And he says to them, what? Don't eat from the tree. Mm. Right. That's the agreement. Don't eat from the tree. And, and you know what happens? They do. And when they eat from the tree, uh, that, that, that intimacy they share with God is broken because of sin Mm. and they're expelled. Now this is interesting. They're exiled Mm. from the garden of Eden. And so, so it could be, it could be now, again, the word isn't used in Genesis one through three, but it could be that the first covenant we see is in the Garden of Eden, where God says to Adam and Eve, I'm going to be your God. You're going to be my people in my kingdom, right? Uh, live out my commands. Mm. That seems like a covenant relationship. Mm-hmm. It does seem like it. I mean, he says you can eat it. Even his um, ability to say you can have it all, you can have everything you want, but this one thing. Yeah, in other yeah. words, anything you need to provide for you is here. That's right. Except this one thing. That's right. And so, and so the first time we see the word covenant used, though, It's like we said, when we get to Mm -hmm. Genesis chapter nine, and what's interesting about Genesis chapter nine is after the flood, when Noah and his family come out of the boat, uh, God tells them essentially now the, the words are changed just a bit and there's a bit more there, but God tells Noah and his family essentially the same thing. He tells Adam and Eve, be fruitful and multiply, Mm -hmm. fill the earth. Mm -hmm. And then there is this covenant that's made with Noah, but not only with Noah, with all people, mm-hmm. right? Uh, so, so the sign, right? We talked about how uh, typically when you see a covenant, there's a ceremony, there's a sign, there's something. The sign of the covenant with Noah, you know this, right? It's the rainbow. The rainbow, right? And that sign is a very public sign because the covenant is with all people. It's a public thing. Yeah, yes. God says to all people. He says to Noah, but it's to all people. I will never again destroy the earth with a flood like I did. Right now, God will bring judgment again. We know mm-hmm. that, but not in this particular way. Mm-hmm. So we don't have to worry. We don't have to walk around wondering, oh man, we've really messed up. I wonder if God's going to flood the world again. That's never going to happen again. God made that covenant. His bow is in the sky. Every time it rains, right? We see that rainbow. It's a reminder of the covenant that God made with Noah, a covenant for all people. Uh, it is, you think about stipulations of the covenant. It is an unconditional covenant. When, when, when you think about Noah receiving that covenant, there, there wasn't really an agreement like you must do this and I'll do this. Mm-hmm. It wasn't like that. It was in kind of this unconditional covenant. I promise you that, that I am not going to do this. You mm-hmm. have my word and here's the sign, the rainbow. Every time you see it, that's a reminder of the covenant that I've made with you. That's amazing yeah, to think. Pretty that, cool. I mean, that he will never, I mean, it's never. not, it has nothing to do with me. Nothing you know? to do with you. Amazing. So we've talked about the covenant between Adam and Eve. Now the, the, I hope I say Noahic. this right. Noahic is how you say that covenant. I think so. I okay. Could be wrong. We'll go with it. Noahic co- covenant. Cause we say Noah. And then we have the, and this is the one we're in the middle of right now, the Abrahamic covenant. Yeah. So if you're with us at Northwood right now, this is the one we're kind of walking through right now. And if you think about it, if you follow along with us on Sunday mornings, 
this covenant is progressive. I was going to say it, it happens, There's things phases, happen over and over again. I mean, yeah. it's, it, you, you see it's beginning in Genesis chapter 12 mm-hmm. when God says to Abraham, leave everything you know, follow me, I'll make you into a great nation, and through you all the nations of the earth shall be blessed. That's the promise. Mm-hmm. And then you come to Genesis chapter 15, you know, about a decade after that initial call that Abraham experiences, and God comes back to Abraham and he says, he reaffirms the promise. Mm-hmm. I'm going to make you into a great nation. Takes him out into the field. Look up at the stars. Your descendants, gonna, your descendants are going to outnumber the stars in the sky. So you have that going on. And then you have um, uh, the ceremony. Remember we talked about how oftentimes in a covenant, yeah. there there's a sign or a or ceremony. ceremony. Mm-hmm. And we talked about that. We, we, we spent a whole message talking about that, that ceremony where you have the, the halved carcasses and right. God passes through. And so you have that. And then you come over a couple of chapters later, which a couple of chapters later in Genesis chapter 17 is actually 13 years later. A lot of time passes by in two chapters, but you come to chapter 17 after Abraham and Sarah had messed up and fallen in their faith and chose to uh, try to fulfill the promise of God in their own way. When Abraham slept with Hagar, his servant or mm-hmm. Sarah's servant, God comes back and says, no, that's, that's not the plan. The plan is Sarah is going to have a child mm. in, in a year. Yeah. This is going to come to fruition. It's going to be fulfilled. And so that's when you have this other sign, which we talked about a couple weeks ago, the sign of the covenant uh, to Abraham was circumcision. Mm-hmm. And that circumcision was a reminder. It, it was different than the rainbow. Rainbow is public. Circumcision is, I mean, it's private. Right. But in those private. intimate moments of mm-hmm. life, when, when Abraham was intimate with Sarah, or, you know, generations to come, mm-hmm. um, when, when, um, when, when there was intimacy inside of a, a marital relationship, that circumcision in a lot of ways was a reminder that God was going to bring forth a nation that the seed of God, if, if you will, was, was implanted mm-hmm. in the Hebrew people to build a great nation. Mm-hmm. And so circumcision was a sign. Now, now we said that Oftentimes in covenants, there are, there are signs, and you, we've already seen that with the rainbow, with the circumcision, but there's also stipulations. So if you think about the covenant that God makes with Abraham, this is interesting. In, in, in a sense, it's conditional, and in another sense, it's unconditional. Mm-hmm. In other words, he is going to make them a great nation, but there are, but, some, there are some buts. There. Right. Uh, the but is, is that they had to follow by faith. Mm-hmm. I mean, if you think about it, um, when, when, and you have this in Genesis 18 and Genesis 17, God comes to Abraham and says, Hey, this is going to happen a year. And Genesis 18, you remember the three men that come and stay yep. with Abraham and Sarah and Sarah overhears, uh, God speaking mm-hmm. about this child that she's going to have in a year. And she laughs. Mm-hmm. And then God says, well, well, why are you laughing? And I, I'm going to come back in a year. Right. Um, and so, so God says it's going to happen. But if you think about it, I know this, you know, going to get some details here. It's all right. If you think about it, right, that was the promise. But for that promise to be fulfilled, Abraham and Sarah had to take a step of faith. They had to be intimate. Mm -hmm. You know what I'm saying? Trusting that as, and and if you remember the message from when we talked about this, I mean, it it, it very likely they had not been intimate in a very long time, right? right? Had this whole Hagar thing going on. It was a wild time. (laughs) Um, Abraham was probably sleeping on the couch, but that's another story. Yeah. So, so, so there's a step of faith. And so in a sense, you know, this covenant was conditional. 
that they had to step in faith to see it come to pass. But on the flip side, it's also unconditional because God is going to bring it to pass. Mm-hmm. We talked about how Abraham has all these ups and downs, but these ups and downs in his faith journey doesn't disqualify him from the gracious hand of God, who's going to bring this to completion. Mm-hmm. So it says it's conditional. They have to walk by faith. But on the other hand, it is very much an unconditional covenant. God is God is set on his will. He is going to make a great nation. Uh, and, and from that great nation is eventually going to come a child named Jesus, who's going to fulfill Amen. the promise he Amen. made back in Genesis chapter 3, verse 15, right? That promise of one who would come and step on the, the head of the serpent. So, so conditional in a sense, but also very much unconditional. God is going to do this, right? Yeah. So this is a, this, this covenant is like a decree. It is going to happen one way or the other. It's going to happen. God's going to make sure it happens. So uh, we have this covenant between Adam and Eve. We have the, uh, between Noah and God and now Abraham and God. And now we have the Mosaic covenant. Yeah. So we got, we got, we got to do this fast, but I'm good at doing stuff fast. So here we go. Go. So, so the, the Mosaic covenant, you think about Mount Sinai, Mm -hmm. Exodus 19 through 24, we're on Mount Sinai, God enters into a covenant relationship with the people, the Hebrew people that he brought out of Egypt, the Exodus, right? And so, so essentially in, in that covenant, God promises blessings. Mm. If you uphold my law, if you do what I say, if you keep my covenant, I will bless you. But then you come over and you look at, um, at Deuteronomy chapter 32. If you don't obey, if you don't keep my covenant, you'll be cursed. Right. And so, 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 so on the one hand, God says, if you keep my covenant, you're blessed on the other. If you don't, you're cursed. Mm -hmm. And so, so this is in a sense, a conditional covenant because what God said to the Hebrews there in, in Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, Deuteronomy, he said, if you, if you don't obey, you're going into exile. Mm. Wow. Goes back to Adam and Eve, doesn't it? You can start making that connection. Wow. That is really cool. And so, so this is what happens is that the people, you know, this, they don't keep God's covenant. Uh, They, they uh, are disobedient to the Mm -hmm. Lord. In fact, when you read through Exodus, I mean, we're reminded of that. You think about the golden calf. I mean, it's just failure after failure after failure. And eventually, I mean, they're going to get into the land and all those kinds of things, but they're going to continue to be unfaithful to God. And then later on in their history, they are going to go into exile. You think about the Assyrians, they're going to come and, and conquer the northern kingdom. And you think about the southern kingdom of Judah, how the Babylonians are going to come in and take those uh, Jewish people into exile, right? But if you exactly. think about this, I mean, it's a conditional covenant, but there, again, in a sense, it's still an unconditional covenant. Because within those conditions that God sets for his covenant, he's going to be very gracious. Oh, my gracious. Because what, what is God going to do in the exile? He's going to save a remnant mm-hmm. and he's going to bring them out of exile. He's going to bring them back into the land. And, 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 you know, you think about Judah and Jerusalem, it's going to be reestablished. And then Jesus is going to be born in Bethlehem and he's going to, you know, grow up and live in this land that God had promised Abraham. And so, so while the people are taken into exile, they get to come out, they get wow. to start again. Right. Mm-hmm. And God is going to fulfill his plan through the nation of Israel to bring forth the Messiah. So it's conditional. You think about it, this Mosaic covenant, um, uh, and, and they are going to suffer the consequences for their disobedience to the covenant. But it's, again, God is gracious and he's going to bring them out because he is going to fulfill the promise again that he made in Genesis chapter three, verse 15. Mm. Nothing's going to stop that. Nothing will. Nothing. Jesus will be born. 
That's the exactly Messiah right. would be born. Okay. And oh, and just one thing. If you yeah, think I was going to say, what's the sign the on sign that one? The sign of the covenant is a Sabbath, which is interesting. You go back yeah, and you read Exodus 31, now. 12 through 18. The Sabbath day of rest is the sign of God's covenant to uh, the people of Israel. Mm-hmm. And we could get into a lot of detail on that, but for the sake of time, we won't. But just think about how in Egypt, they never had a chance to rest. Yeah. But now as they come out of Egypt, God says, you're going to have rest. This day represents rest. Uh, ultimately rest that you have in me. It's really, really good stuff. And we don't understand. I mean, we uh, in Christendom today don't really understand this idea of Sabbath. Mm. Um, and, uh, but it just over and over again in the old Testament, it, it was, was a bad huge. deal. It was, it was a bad culture. deal when you messed up on the Sabbath, when you messed up the Sabbath. Absolutely. All right. And then finally we get into the Davidic covenant. Okay. Okay. So, so one more old Testament covenant that we see very clearly yeah. uh, in the old Testament is the, the covenant that God makes with David. And you read about this uh, particularly in second Samuel chapter seven. Uh, this is, um, uh, in a sense, a conditional and unconditional covenant, right? Mm-hmm. Conditional in the fact that God calls David to walk blamelessly before him, mm-hmm. but he doesn't. Neither do, do any of the kings, really. Yeah. And in spite of that, though, God is going to be faithful, unconditional to fulfill his promise. So it's conditional in a sense, but really, if you think about it, it's un, this unconditional covenant. In this covenant, there's not a sign like you have in some of the other covenants, but the promise to David was a very clear promise. There's going to be a descendant from your lineage that will sit on your throne forever. Wow. Right? And so that's when we come to the New Testament. Mm. And you have Jesus, who is the lion of Judah, who is born of the lineage of David. He is the king, the king that God promises to his people, born from the house of David. So, yeah, you have this Davidic covenant there in 2 Samuel chapter 7. And and then you have this final covenant, the covenant that you and I mm. and all of us who are listening, who are followers of Jesus, the covenant that we are a part of. The new, new covenant. covenant. Yeah. But you think about it, Trey. You think about um, you know, how the Gospels talk about Jesus, his life, death, and resurrection. and uh, But you think about um, that night before Jesus died, as he sat in the upper room with his disciples, and, and they were sharing that Passover meal, right? That Passover meal where, where um, on that original Passover, mm-hmm. they ate that meal in haste because God was about to rescue them from Egypt. He was going to bring them out and, and establish his covenant with them in the wilderness, right? Now you have Jesus taking that meal uh, that they had shared together all their lives. He says, no, 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 this time it's different because when you eat and when you drink, you're not going to remember the Passover of the Old Testament. Yeah. You're going to remember me. No. And when he takes that cup, remember in Luke's gospel, Luke says that when he takes the cup, he says, this is the blood of my covenant with you. Wow. This unconditional covenant that, that everything we read about in the Old Testament, all these covenants, they're fulfilled in Christ. He is the one, right, who is the Passover land, lamb. He is the one who brings us out of our spiritual Egypt, if you will, yeah. our spiritual bondage to sin. He is the one that gives us life, new life. And the, you know this, we all know this, that the covenant that Christ makes with us through his death and resurrection, it is absolutely an unconditional covenant Amen. that through faith in him, we are assured that he loves us forever, that we will always be his, uh, that we will inherit eternal life, that we are secure in his grace. And so he makes this unconditional covenant with all of us who trust him by faith. And so there you have it. You have these, these covenants of the Bible that are powerful and remind us that God is a relational God who desires a relationship with his people. And he's made a way for that through the death and resurrection of his son, Jesus. 
Amen. So someone's sitting there today and says, you know, that's all great. And I appreciate all those Old Testament references and even the new covenant. But, you know, it was 2000 years ago. What, 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 how does that apply to us today? What do we do with that then? Yeah. Well, what you do with that is you believe. I mean, the, the whole point of all this is that, mm. that God is a relational God. Yeah. He's not, you know, out there somewhere mm-hmm. just sitting back, hoping that we're going to figure things out. <laughs> He's yeah, gotten involved he's really, in yeah. our lives. He got involved in Abraham's life. Mm. He got involved in Noah's life. He got involved in David's life. So I, I, I'm going to promise you something. I've got good for you, right? And so I think there's always the temptation for us to think about God as the big man upstairs, mm. right? You've heard people say oh, that. Oh, all the time. He's just yeah. out there somewhere, and I'm going to live my life, and I hope he, you know. Keep my nose clean. Yeah, and, you yeah. Know. I hope he does something good for me every now and then. I'm not expecting much from him. No, 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 no. What the covenants of God teach us is that God is intimately involved in the lives of people. He's intimately involved in your life. Take him serious. Amen. Right? Live for him. Well, brother, I tell you what, that is a good way to look at the yeah. covenant and I'll never look at it the same after this. So I appreciate it. Well, there's lots of resources out there yeah. to help you to kind of think through those things. This was a very quick overview of the covenants, but uh, you know, again, that Sandra Richter book is very helpful. Yeah, we can put that in the we link. Can, and there's, link there's all kinds of resources that are helpful. Yeah. Um, but once you, once you begin to understand this idea of covenants, it really does begin to help you to understand how God works throughout the pages of the Bible. It's and really good stuff. You know, that's why we can trust the promises yep. of God. You know? Exactly Amen. so. Amen. Well, Pastor, this has been good. Thank you so much and look forward to uh, what else we're going to hear in the future. So get us ready as we All move right. on. We hope that today's been good for you as you've listened, that you've learned some things, and we hope that it's helped you in your walk with Jesus. So you have been blessed by this podcast today. Go ahead and hit that subscribe button so you have new content delivered to your device every single week. If you don't mind, leave us a five-star review. That helps us get the word out about our podcast. And as always, we hope today's episode has helped you connect faith to life.